0: This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for R.M. Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com, or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Metron Garage is a company designing unique garages, condos, and other structures specifically for the auto enthusiasts. They've got eight models to choose from, including two-story options, which I think is super cool, while with a very modern look and feel to them. And they come in all sizes, and they're fully customizable. You can check out them today and start specking your own Ultimate Garage at metrongarage.com, where you can request a catalog or talk to someone to learn more. So be sure to check it out. I just want to give a quick thanks to Euro Classics for sponsoring this episode. Euro Classics is all about collector cars from servicing your new BMW M5 to prepping your Porsche for the racetrack to executing a total restoration on your favorite classic. They do it all from routine maintenance to performance upgrades to appraisals and everything in between. You can learn more about its owner Dale Oaks by listening to episode number 65 of this podcast, and you can find Euro Classics in the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana service area and online at euroclassics.com. Classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-X.com.
1: Welcome back to the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. In this episode, I will review my 2022 bull market list. So these are the cars I believe that will appreciate in value in 2022. I will review 30 cars that are moving in the marketplace. Now, I did not do an official bull market list for 2021, but what I did do is I did pick 15 cars that I said you should buy, sell, or hold. So I have picked 10 of those cars, five that I told you to buy and five that I told you to sell. And I want to review those to see if I was correct in picking cars that would appreciate and picking five cars that would depreciate. Now, just a sneak peek, I'm much better at picking cars that are going to appreciate, apparently, than I am cars that are going to depreciate. And then I will review the 10 cars I've picked for 2022, Then I will also review Haggerty's article that picked their 10 cars for their bull market list for 2022 as well, which was really interesting because they have uh, access to a lot more demographic data than I have access to. And I found some of their stats truly amazing and fascinating. And I would love to have access to that. So if you're out there, Haggerty, please let me know if that's possible. They've been a great partner in the past. And speaking of valuation services, be sure to check out The quote-unquote Super Bowl, I don't think I can really use that, but the last episode of the Collected Car Fantasy Football with four car experts will be coming up at the end of January, beginning of February. So this is my Super Bowl where four of us picked 11 cars for our ultimate collection, and we've been tracking them for a year. So we've been basically updating these cars every time there's a Haggerty update in their valuation tools, and... I believe I was in second place at the end of the last round. You will have to tune in to see how I fare in a few weeks. As a reminder, the other players are car specialist Ramsey Potts. Brad Phillips is the executive director at America's Car Museum at the LeMay Museum out in Tacoma, Washington. And then our favorite person at Haggerty, Julie Guskalen, who is the VP of Media now. She was really cranking it out last time and doing a tremendous job in picking cars. All right, before we begin with the bull market list, I do have a few updates. From a travel perspective, uh, as I mentioned, I will be down at Cavallino Classic as well as out at the R.M. Sotheby's Auction in Scottsdale, so shoot me a note if you're going to be at either one of those locations. Travel's kind of quiet for February, and then March I'll be down in Amelia Island, so love to catch up with you if you're down at that wonderful venue. Uh, there are always consignment opportunities if you would like for me to explore your particular cool car, whether that's buying or selling, uh, just shoot me a note. Uh, I did launch the new website, www.thecollectorcarpodcast.com. Be sure to go there and check it out. It's a lot easier to search previous podcasts. They're all a nice big filter where you can pick out what you want. I will have the previous show notes, including last week's Porsche data, posted online underneath the blog heading. So a few of you DM'd me asking for that information. It is posted on the website, underneath the blog tab. And then if you want a free consultation on your car, uh, just shoot me a note. You can do that by going to the contact section. We can You can schedule a 30-minute appointment, if you would like, over the phone, or just give me a call or shoot me an email. Next, I want to say congratulations to a few of our previous guests. We had Kevin McKay on episode 124, reviewing the Cunningham Corvette, and he was recently reviewing that very car, on the TV show, Autobiography. What was great is that that car was sold at R.M. Sotheby's Auction. Turns out the Cunningham family ended up buying the car back. And they're having Kevin restore it at his shop up in New England. Uh, so Kevin was a great guest. So be sure to check him out on that TV show. And then also from episode 132, Undiscovered Classics. Uh, you can check out Jeffrey Hacker and Guy Durkin. They were both on this podcast. I received quite a bit of feedback Uh, on how much fun it was having two guests on at the same time. And they were so knowledgeable and such a fun subject. Uh, They were recently featured in Classic Motorsports' Most Recent Issue. So be sure to check them out. And then lastly, I want your cars. So by that, I mean I want to review your cars. So I had a podcast last year called Your Your Cars, Your Podcast, where I reviewed listeners' cars. So if you would like for me to review your car, uh, please shoot me a note at gstanley at rmsethelbees.com or at greg at Podcast.com. Send me a few pictures and a description of your car, and I will give you a free appraisal. Now, don't take it to the bank. This is just for fun and based on the description and the pictures you send me. Uh, But it was a lot of fun getting to know a few of you on a different level and understanding what cars are in your garage and why. And that was a ton of fun, and I would like to do it again I need to keep it to the first five cars that come through. So if you don't get selected, I'll keep your name in your car for the next episode. I'd like to do two or three of these a year if possible. So again, just shoot me your car, a little bit of information, and I will let you know if you made the cut. All right, let's move on to the 2022 bull market list. So like I said, first thing I'm going to do is to review the cars I had from last year. I'm going to pick 10 of the 15 I picked. I want some accountability. I want you to know that I do a lot of research and I try to get it correct. And I would like for you to know when I do get it right and when I get it horribly wrong. Now, I'll give you a quick overview as far as why I picked these cars. From a buy perspective, I picked five cars. A late 1980s Bronco. Uh, most The biggest reason there was Gen Xers will be looking for the cars from their high school years. Uh, those are a little difficult. There's not an aftermarket parts industry set up around those cars yet, those sport utes. So condition is key. If you do have one of those or are looking for one of those, be sure to get one that is an unrestored original awesome shape, preferably low mileage. Uh, The next one I picked is the 1970s International Scout 2 4x4. Uh, I mentioned some of the averages for the 1971, 74, and 78. International Scouts were up significantly and I will give you a quote. I think it's on the 1974 version for an update. And then the next was a 1960s Ford Mustang with a small block. Uh, I did not narrow these, these down to a specific year. I will do that in the future. So uh, for this particular example, I picked the 1966 Mustang. A lot of reasons. These have been flat for a while. They've been showing a slight increase recently. I think uh, the stigma of the 60s muscle cars, not that there was one out there, but they kind of took a break in the marketplace and they're starting to go back up. They're extremely easy to work on. There's literally parts everywhere. You can actually build a Mustang without really needing anything. (laughs) It's amazing the parts that are out there. Uh, All right, next is the 1970 Plymouth Cuda AAR. This is one I've been talking about for a long time. It was down 28% the previous year when I pulled this information, down 32.5% latest three years. This was mostly driven by the a couple of depressed prices on the Hemikuda convertibles that are multi-million dollar cars and that kind of filtered down to these wonderful cars so I felt like you know what that can't last forever those are going to turn it around all right and then the last one I picked as far as cars that would appreciate it was early 2000s BMW specifically the 9m cars I'll get to more about that here in a minute But why don't I review my results? So for the 1989 Ford Bronco, I picked an Eddie Bauer edition. I picked it to appreciate in 2021, and it did. It went up 42.3%. Huge increase uh, over the last 12 months. And in the latest one month, this got up 31.9%. So that was a big win. I picked correctly for that car. The next one was the 1978 International Scout II. And that one went up even more. The latest 12 months, it went up 77.1%. It is flat the most recent one month. So that has slowed down. And it might even start going down a little bit just because it appreciated so much in one year. That will be an interesting one because, again, like the Bronco of the late 1980s, there's not a huge aftermarket supply uh, network set up for the international scouts. Uh, So at some point, that will cause folks a headache Uh, when they're trying to get the trim pieces, bumpers, or whatever it might be uh, for theirs to have them totally restored. All right, for the Mustang, I picked the 1966 Ford Mustang GT Convertible, latest one year. Again, it is up 12.2%, up only 3% the latest month, so that is slowing as well. And then for the AAR Cuda, yes, that is up the latest 12 months, 20.4%, flat the latest one month. So that has slowed as well. So I'm going to toot my horn while I can. That's four out of four on my bull market list correctly picked for 2021. I have to toot my horn now because it's all about to go sideways. (laughs) All right. For the BMW non-M cars, unfortunately, Haggerty does not provide that information. I do feel like that was a win as well as a lot of the prices I've seen trade privately have been much higher than normal. I don't have a lot of comps for that, but just looking at the way the M cars have gone up so tremendously the latest 12 months, I feel pretty solid about that one. All right, now here's where I don't do as well. I don't do as well in picking cars that are going to decline in value, but let's start with the Toyota FJs. So I picked Toyota FJs to be down in 2021, and the results are they were up 5%. Where everything is appreciating, I kind of count that as a win. That's not up that much, and it's actually flat the latest one month. But those have slowed down quite a bit. The next one I picked was a 1978 Pontiac Trans Am. That was mostly because the generation that liked Smoking the Bandit, they probably already have one of those cars. Um, I don't think that they're going to continue, at least at the time, I didn't think they were going to continue appreciating. And for that one, I was kind of correct. Over the last 12 months, they only increased in value by 1.9%. And then the next one's the 1955 to 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air. This is a car that I think, you know what, it's a generational shift away from cars in the 1950s. I think that if a Bel Air was the car that you dream to have, you're probably selling it right now because you're trying to liquidate your assets. And I was correct on that one. Down 5.7% over the latest 12 months and flat the latest one month. And then the next one I was, I don't remember exactly why I picked it. It's a 1958 Chrysler Town & Country. Now this one was was a little bit of a shocker. The latest 12 months is actually up 20%. So this is one of those rare cars from the 1950s. Kind of like the Cadillac Baritz, Cadillac Brome, Some of those iconic cars from the 50s. That are bucking the trend of being down. So this one had been down previously, and it looks like it just got a nice bump back up 20% the latest 12 months. Alright, then the last one are the 19 are the 2015 Hyper cars. So this is these are the three big Halo cars from McLaren, Ferrari, and Porsche. So we have the 2015 Ferrari La Ferrari. I picked these because they came out of the gate really strong as instant collectibles depreciating briefly, and then going back up. And I thought they were due for another correction. Well, I was wrong on these three. So let's start with the Ferrari. Bla Ferrari, one of the worst names ever for a car. Latest 12 months, up 17.2%, up $450,000, latest 12 months. Even the latest one month, up 13.6. The McLaren P1, latest 12 months, up 25.9%. Latest one month, up 6.3. And finally, the Porsche 918 Spyder. I did pick the Spyder, not the Vysok optioned car. Now, these have fluctuated lately where they were declining for a while, and I thought that decline would continue, but it has not. The latest one year, the base, the Spyder, if there is such thing as a base 918, up 7.1%. Now, a little bit of silver lining for me, my skills at predicting The latest one month, it is actually down 3.2%. $50,000, down $50,000. So that is how those cars fared. I didn't do as well, like I said, on the cars I picked to decline. All right, so now it's time to review my top 10 cars for 2022. I did do three cars as honorable mention because I basically pulled the information and I didn't want to not mention it. (laughs) So I have these ranked. I'm going to go number 10 to number one from how they've appreciated the most recent month. So yes, I'll tell you the one year appreciation, but what's more interesting is are they still appreciating in the latest one month? So let's start with number 10, the 1986 Jaguar XJS V12 Coupe, the latest one year up 60.9% up a crazy amount. Now, I've always thought these were beautiful, obviously not as beautiful as an XKE, but they are gorgeous cars, underappreciated, but they can be a handful, especially that b 12 Now, if you find one that has a 350 Chevy V8, that's not gonna help the value, sorry to say. It will get you probably to, from point A to point B in a more reliable manner, but uh, that's not going to be one that's worth a lot of money. And then for the latest one month, that car is up 7%. All right, next is the 1986 Mazda RX-7 turbo rotary engine car. I've always had a soft spot for these as well. My sister's roommate in college had one of these. Nice red convertible. Uh, latest one year up 38.9%. Latest one month up 9.9%. Next is the 1991 Toyota Land Cruiser. Now, this car is up 48.7% latest 12 months and up 9.9% the latest one month. All right, I do have a couple Porsches listed here. The first one's a 2004 Porsche Boxer S 550 Spider 50th Anniversary Edition. Really long title. The latest one year, it's up 32.7%. And the latest one month, it is up 10.3%. So nice little Porsche Boxer made the list there. Uh, let's see, number six is a 1995 Lancia Delta Integrale. One year, it's up 25.3%. Latest one month, up 12%. All right, next one's a sleeper car. 1985 Mercedes 300 TD Wagon. Latest one year is up 32.2%. And latest one month, up 14.9%. And number four, this is another one that if you can get one now... Get it while you can. The 1988 Pontiac Fiero GT. That is actually the best year of the Pontiac Fiero, the last year. Uh, Let's see. Latest one month, only up 15.1%. I think it will grow even more than that. But latest one year, again, up 15.1%. The next one is the car I have in my garage. 1999 to 2001 Porsche 911 Carrera. Latest one year, up 37.3%. Latest one month, up 16.3%. So if you're a Porsche 996 lover out there like I am, they are starting to be appreciated. And you know what? I like the look of it from the front. I don't care what people say. Uh, All right, number two. This one really shocked me when I saw these numbers. Uh, It's a 2006 Ford GT. That doesn't sound strange, uh, but they've cooled recently. You know, so much so some have cooled fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars. But this is the Heritage Edition, which seems to be bucking the trend related to the base model that doesn't have the cool color combinations. Latest one year up twenty-three point eight percent, and latest one month up twenty-three point eight percent. So all of that gain has been in the last month, and then the big winner that I think it's going to continue to increase throughout 2022 is the 1966 Honda. S600 convertible up 35% and yes, that 35% increase has been in the last month. So keep an eye on the S600 convertibles. 1966 is the one I picked for this year. And as a reminder, I will review these again when Haggerty has its valuation update in September. And then I will review them again next year when I pick my 2023 list. I will review this list of 2022 so we can see how clear my crystal ball is in picking cars that would appreciate in the coming year. Now, the three honorable mentions, I will list them out here. The first one's a 1979 Ford Bronco. I just think those are going to do well. Like the 80s, late 80s Broncos, I think the late 70s Broncos will do well as well. And then the next one's a 1973 Ferrari 246 GTS, the Dino. That's actually one that you'll find out here in a minute. Uh, Haggerty picked for their bull market list. And then finally, in the 1976 Porsche 912E, uh, that came out of my podcast from last week when I talked about the most valuable Porsches of all time, up 23.5% latest 12 months, up 5% latest one month. Okay, so you've heard my 10 cars for 2022. You heard how I did well and not so well for 2021. So how about we start talking about Haggerty's list? Now, the Haggerty list, like I said, was very interesting because I don't necessarily have the market trend data. I didn't pull all that information, but they have it broken out by inquiries for insurance and they have it broken out by generational demographics. So we have the pre-boomers, the boomers, the Gen X, the millennials, the post-millennials and the what I call the post-boomers, which is basically Gen X millennials and post-millennials all grouped together now the reason i find this fascinating let's let's take the first car as an example the 1983 to 1997 land rover defender so and also they pick full generation of cars versus just a full generation of a model versus just a specific year but pre boomers from a, an insurance quote perspective only represents 1% for boomers, it represents 14%. Here's the key number here. For Gen X, 66% of the Land River Defender insurance quotes for that generation are for Gen Xers. And then millennials are 16%. Post-millennials, 0%. So when I compile those three together, the Gen X, the millennials, and the post-millennials, what I call the post-boomer percentage, it's 86, 82% of the insurance quotes are for post-boomers. So what is that going to do to the value of those cars? They're not going to go down. Now, you might see the flip of that for, say, like a 1955 Thunderbird. That might be where the pre-boomer number is around 45%. And then as you get younger, that number goes down where it's very low for millennials and post-millennials. All right, the next one, this one's pretty interesting. It's the 1963 to 1967 Mercedes 230 SL. Usually you hear about the 250s and the 280s, the bigger cubic inch engine cars, but this is the earlier and lesser known 230 SLs, so not sure about this car for 2022 increasing. Pre-Boomers is 16%, Boomers is 47%, so highly skewed to the older demographic. Then for Gen X is 29%, Millennials 8%, and Post-Millennials 0%. So post boomers 37%. I don't know that that will necessarily go through the roof this year. The next one they picked was the 1975 to 1993 Volvo 245. Boomer 6%. I'm sorry, pre-Boomer 6%. Boomer 23%. This one gets very interesting. Gen X 21%. Millennial 32%. Post-Millennial 18%. So post-Boomer 71%. And that was really interesting with the post-millennial. That shows that, in my mind, the 75 to 1993 Volvo, from a collectability standpoint, not, I mean, they made a ton of them. If you can find one that's low mileage and in absolutely incredible condition, I think that is incredibly wise investment at this point. And it's going to be cheap. you probably get something like that for eight grand. Our right, next is a 1992 to 1995 Porsche 968. I kind of disagree with this one a little bit. I mean, if you go back to last week, I don't see a lot of movement in these. These are really cool cars under the radar, but I don't think they're ever going to be worth a lot. Uh, Pre-Boomer, 7%. Boomer, 48%. So that's the biggest group there that's requesting an insurance quote on these cars. Gen X, 33%. Millennial, 12%. Post-Millennial, 0%. So post boomers 45%. And then 66 to 67, Pontiac GTO, a muscle car. Uh, This one had 56% boomers, which makes sense. I mean, that's their generation. And then for the post-boomers, 37%, led by the Gen Xers at 27%. Another really fascinating one here is the 1985 to 1995 Suzuki Samurai. Let's see if you can even find one of those that still exists. Post-boomer for all three of them was 70%, led by Gen X at 39%, millennials at 26%. Some strong numbers. if you can find a Suzuki Samurai that's not in horrible shape, grab it now. And then a car I mentioned earlier, the 1979 to 1985 Mazda RX-7. I'm sorry, I I picked the 1986. Uh, Let's see, the post-boomer number is 68%. Again, post-millennials up there a lot at 14%. So those are pretty hot with the post-millennials, millennials, and Gen Xers. And three more to go. This one was a little bit surprising, 1965 to 1970, Cadillac DeVille. Gen X is 44%, the lead indicator there or the lead demographic. Post-Boomer, those three combined, 66%. And then another one I've mentioned before, 2008 to 2012, Tesla Roadster. Let's see, pre-Boomer, no interest, 2%. Boomer, 18%. Gen X, 44%. Millennial, 36%. In post millennial, 0%. That's probably because they just don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, post boomer, this is actually second highest on our list. 80% of the insurance quotes were post boomer. So I mentioned before we had one of those that sold for stupid money at Elkhart sale. It, would, it went twice high estimate, I believe. Estimate was 40 to 60 grand. It sold for 120. Low mileage example from the first year. If you can find one of those, now's the time to get that. And the last car. Is the 1969 to 1974 Ferrari 246 Dino, but again, this one's driven by pre-boomers at 15%, boomers at 54%, mostly because those are the that's the generation that can afford it. Gen X is at 30%, millennial at 1%, post-millennial at 0%. So 31%. This is actually the lowest post-boomer number uh, on our list here. So interesting stats from Haggerty. I hope you enjoyed their list i hope you enjoyed my list i hope you find it entertaining insightful and of value like i said before i will review my list of 13 in september to see how i'm doing and then again next year and as always thank you for listening and i will talk to all of you next week
0: thanks for listening to the collector car podcast don't forget to give us a nice rating on itunes and be sure to follow us on instagram and everywhere else at the collector car podcast